Good evening again and thank you for the readers who are prepping us now to get our minds ready to think about this evening's theme which is how does Jesus keep his people? How does he keep his people? There's loads of answers but there was one, well there's loads even in the book of Romans which we read from So there was a church in Rome, and they're all full of nutters and people who've got different ideas about how to follow God, young people, old people. People were falling out with each other. People were arguing with each other over how does Jesus keep his people. So now, children, what could you draw? You You could draw us as people doing naughty things, shouting at each other, hating God, bullying people, stealing, lying, laughing at rude jokes we shouldn't, telling rude jokes, filling out tax forms incorrectly, stealing things from the internet when we should be paying. All of these things that we do as humans draw us just being naughty. And then later, I'm going to tell you to put something on us which makes us then perfect. It's an incredible thing. Christians, have you found that God has been faithful to you in spite of all that? Faithful. That he keeps you. That Jesus has done something to the church, which means the Father and the Spirit keep us. In spite of ourselves, he keeps us and is faithful to us. And his love endures forever. Have you sung that song? It's Ricky B's favourite. Well, I don't know if it's his favourite, but it's one that we tell him to sing the most, because it's so true. How is it that the love of the Father endures forever? Well, one thing that Jesus did to the church in Rome, and that he's done to Jesus-centred church members at Park End, is he makes them right. Jesus was righteous means he's always done right things. Maybe you could draw now him doing right things, always being there for his friends, always pleasing the Father, never cutting corners in his jobs. He was right all of the time. He was righteous. That's what it means. He was good. And what he does is he earns all this goodness of heaven, the smile of the Father, And then he just shares it with sinful people in church. He just shares it. Have some of my life. Be in me and I'll be in you. And I'll bring the Father in you too. That's what he does by the power of the Spirit. It's all going to be this spiritual work in you. From the youngest to the old. Have my rightness. Have my righteousness. And there's a technical word that people used. It was called justified. When Jesus comes to church members, he justifies them. He he makes them just. That's an old word, children. It means he makes them right and positively glorious in the courtrooms of heaven this evening. That's what Jesus does when we place our trust in him. How does Jesus keep us? He justifies the church. He makes the church right in the eyes of the Father. He shares his goodness with them. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, 
God the Father is like a judge. He's many things, but he does really hate sin. He hates it more than we do, and that's a good thing, because sin is horrible. I'm so glad somebody really hates sin, because that means they're not corrupt, not like us. And so it's a bit like a courtroom in heaven sometimes, where sinners are brought there to give an account of their lives after they die. And there's got to be a pronouncement on them, guilty or not guilty. It's a really tricky one. If we've got loads of sin, we need something done for us by Jesus. So when we get to that throne room above, we have to like explain our lives and whether we were good or evil, which is not going to go well, I tell you, not for me anyway. We need someone there to sort of handle us so that the Father can pronounce us not guilty. How is that going to happen? How does Jesus keep the church in that sort of situation in life and death? I remember when I meet members of other religions who don't love Jesus, I always say like, i got a few friends like that, and I would say, how are you going to please the Father and enter heaven? And I tell you, they can give the most depressing and hopeless answers ever, like, I've got to read my holy book a certain times a day. I've got to pray a certain amount of times a day. I've got to try and not sin as much as I can. Basically, and you know, try and behave myself. Just like do out external religious stuff, turn up to church meetings. And then, I can't say for sure, but I hope he'll accept me into heaven. I'm always think, secretly thinking, well, sometimes I just outright say it. I have got no chance in your religion to get to heaven. I've just got no chance. If your religion is the right one, I am absolutely damned to hell. No way, not with my heart. I can be such a faker and a pretender. I need someone to change the real me. I can't change the real inner me, my heart, that just loves sin. I can't change that just by reading my Bible a few times a day or going to a church meeting. I haven't got a chance it's really interesting. One time I was having a curry with my friend who's in another religion who doesn't love Jesus. And he was saying all this stuff that he does to be good. But then I remember as the night went on, he started telling really rude jokes and finding them really funny. Like stuff that God would be appalled with. Then he got absolutely smashed, which the Bible says don't do, don't get drunk. And I was thinking, oh, okay, so you just keep up these appearances, but your heart is just like mine. It loves to do bad things. And God's going to look at our heart and our lives, all of it. It's like, how is that going to work? We're frauds. The outside stuff we're doing, like turning up to meetings, isn't really cutting it. We need something more radical done. That's why Paul wrote a letter to the Roman church. Listen to this. Therefore, As through one man's offence, that was Adam, judgment came to everybody, resulting in condemnation or judgment. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Who is that one man who's done something so well and righteous that he brings life 
For as by one man's disobedience, that was Adam, that we copy every single day, many people were made sinners, so by one man's obedience or goodness, many will be made righteous. Who's that goody that truly lived the good life and shares it with us and makes people righteous? Jesus. Jesus in whom we trust for life. And that's how we're kept. That is how we're made at peace with God. That is how we're pronounced not guilty because he's just sharing his goodness with us. If you ask people outside of the church in the area, and I hope we're going to change this as the years go on, who are church people? Like, who's church for? Sadly, many of them would say this. People who don't drink, people who don't swear, people who don't get angry, people who don't commit adultery, people who pray a lot, people who know their Bible. And loads of people's view of church members are the goody-goodies who try and impress God by not behaving badly. If you're one of those and you think you're pleasing God that way, you're never going to have peace. You're never going to be kept by Jesus. Because guess what? When you sin, and you will, when you have a bad day and you can't read your Bible, when you're tempted to commit adultery, when you're tempted to drink your sorrows away, when you're tempted to just spend all your money on yourself and be selfish, when you let your wife down, when you let your children down, when you're just so swallowed up by life and you cannot get the strength to keep up your good little deeds, where's that going to leave you with the Father? Because if you've earned his smile, what's going to happen when you can't earn it? You're then going to feel condemned. He doesn't smile at me today because I haven't had my four-hour Bible reading or I looked at someone in the way I sh shouldn't, or I'm filled with these thoughts that I shouldn't have. He must hate me today. Today, if I die, I'm going to hell. And it's like, all your good works then were just a bargaining tool to make God like you a bit more. And that's what people think we do in church in the wider area. That's like the most dangerously tragic, depressing worldview that we could ever be a part of. It's just damned from start to finish. Too many people think Christianity is morals, and that's deadly. But I meet so many people who, when the bad days come, or they lose a loved one, they cry at night in their beds, wailing, secretly resenting God. How could you let a tragedy come to me? I was the one who never watched that program, never drank too much, never swore. I was a goody-goody. But I'm laboring that point because that is so often the mindset of church members, as it was in Rome. And it just leads to resentment when the Father allows things in our lives that we don't think we deserve. Because what we've deserved is the smile of God because we think we've been perfect. It's a tragedy. It leads to outright confusion. So now I want to end by reading the most glorious statement from Romans chapter 3. And then I'm going to demonstrate it by a little um, theatrical act. Here's Romans 3.22. This is the heart of the church and how Jesus keeps us.
But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. The righteousness of Jesus, Jesus himself, comes through faith. That's when we just trust him and cast ourselves on him. He comes to people who do that. On all, on all who believe. The justifying, keeping power, all that Jesus has ever done in his good life, the smile of the Father comes on us. On us. When we trust him and we're like, we're sinners, you're good, I need you. I'm going to you, today and every day. On us. Faith is like this little baby's hand which is open and just clasps Jesus and all of his goodness. I remember when my boy's little hands would grab my finger like so weak, but just holding on to someone greater. Dad. They can actually take me in fights now. They're, They're pretty much stronger than me. But back then, they would just clasp on to the greater person. That's what church does. And they receive the strength, stability, and goodness of that greater person. But here's the thing. And I want to end by getting a really important point across. The Holy Spirit comes in us. And we've got to grow as Christians to become more like Jesus. And, and it is important that after we trust in Jesus, we do behave the way he wants. So lifestyle will change. That's like growth. The fancy word, theologians call it sanctification. Becoming more like Jesus, growing. And we can go backwards and forwards in that. But here's the thing. That is different. Sanctification is different to justification, which is a once-for-all, instant, radical act in the throne of heaven this day. The pronouncement happens immediately and is never revoked. And that's why in Romans 3 it says the goodness and righteousness of Jesus comes on the church. On them, not in them. In us, growth and all that stuff backwards and forwards. The on us that Jesus gives is his goodness. Why is it on us? All right, here comes the theatrical act. Now, children, get drawing a massive coat that goes all over church. All of those bad church members who drew at the start, now cover them with a coat or robe given to them by Jesus. So, here is a... Uh, coat. Well, it's not a coat. It's a waistcoat. Now, children, at Calvary, sinners take off all of their deeds that they've done. They put it on Jesus. Jesus then, all of his goodness is like this robe that is put on the church in exchange. He died that we can live. He keeps us. And he does it, according to Romans 3, on all and for all or to all who believe like this. Now, children, adults, is this coat, waistcoat, in me or on me? In me or on me? It is on me. Parts of the work of Jesus go 
on us like this. So if I go outside now, people are going to look at me and see what is on me. They're not going to look directly in me. That might come later as they get to know me. But they're going to see what's on me. It is how I am shown, not what I am inside that they're going to see. And one of the keeping works of Jesus is he shows us to the Father. And the Father sees not what we are, but how we are shown. And we're covered in the goodness of Jesus and he pronounces us righteous. He knows full well we're not perfect inside and we've got a long way to go. And he's going to help us grow. But our hope, our only hope, is that the goodness of Jesus was exchanged with our badness on the cross and now we are shown as his righteous brothers and sisters. And the Father's like, you are as perfect now as Jesus. He's given you his goodness. He's given you his coat. It's like this comfort blanket by which we have access now to the Father as our friend and we can cry, Abba, Papa, Father. You're Jesus' Father, but now we're with him and so you're our Father. That means I can take my sins to you every day and you forgive them. That means your Holy Spirit's in me and he's going to make me more like Jesus inside 